You're listening to School Crack, Ireland's first and foremost Magic the Gathering podcast. I'm your host, David Wolf, and I'm joined here by... Kieran and Alan. So, Al, you're back from the RPTQ. Oh, I am back. And uh, boy, did I bring back a hell of a trophy. But I'm not talking about an actual trophy or any kind of a win. But uh, I have brought back um, a, a terrible head cold and a fever, which I apparently picked up during the weekend while I was stuck in a room full of, uh, full of magic players. It usually happens, I guess. Well, I hope you feel better soon. Oh, yeah, I'm back on the double call of uh, not uh, calling in sick um, instead of into work. So still going to work. And... Um, feeling terrible and possibly affecting all my co-workers. Um, looking back, I definitely should have taken the day off because usually you take a day off and you rest and you're recovered over a day where if you don't, you just uh, yeah, you, you just you just stay sicker for longer. Yeah, you're, That's some healthy advice out there. Yeah. So uh, apologies in advance if I do a little bit of coughing or spluttering uh, during this recording. Uh, but at least my coughs, my coughs will be legitimate unlike those of, uh, of, of Tech and Wittick from the 2001 unaired episode of Who Wants to Be a Million- Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Do you remember that? No. Uh, I was really, I was just watching the documentary recently of uh, the story of you know what's his name Charles Ingram, the guy who was on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, the British one. Um, oh, yeah. And they, 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 he cheated by like having someone. He just collaborated with another player to like cough during the questions when he came to the right answer. Ah, uh, yeah, I do remember that. It was yeah. I came, I came across the YouTube. The documentary is called uh, Major Fraud, which I'd highly recommend because it's an absolutely crazy story. Um, it's just, it's just unbelievable that they actually thought to get away with it. Um, like one point, one of the questions is, uh, uh, which which uh, yeah, which, which artist released the album um, Born to Do It this year? And um, or which which artist released the album called Born to Do It? And then answers came up. The guy who was in, in the seat, he had no idea what the answer was, and he's like, "Ooh, I I think it's A one, but oh, I don't know. Um, I never heard of Craig David. I, I never heard of Craig David. Um, so I don't think it's that. But when he said Craig David, this other guy, this other guy, Terence Wicken, coughed. Uh, you know, coughed when he said Craig David. And then a few minutes later, the man said, well, I think I'll go with Craig David, uh, even though he said that he, he never heard of him. Yeah, but uh, so. people change their mind on those things all the time. I've definitely heard people doing that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, but I suppose like, this was like constant all the way through. He started at like um, 7,000. Like he literally didn't know the answer to any question. Uh, and just by like saying each one, he, he just ran, ran through each one um, one at a time. And uh, there's like this guy coughs every time he says right answer and he ends up going with it. But like it's kind of for the first ones, you kind of think it is coincidence. But then the, towards the end, it's just like this cough is so on cue and it's so um, it's so deliberate that uh, it's almost comical when when it when it comes in, you know, on time. Should check out the documentary and uh, make up your own mind. Yeah, uh, who wants to be yeah. in air deep cuts? Exactly. Yeah, this is another insight into um. This was yeah, that's just into what I do in my spare time. <laughs> yeah. So uh, did you have a did you have a wonderful Valentine's Day? Uh, I did, but b- before we talk about Valentine's Day, I'll have to say that Kieran's uh, <laughs> not here, of course. Um, oh yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. He he is still in LA, um, jet setting, doing whatever he's doing with his with his job, and also yeah, I would like to uh, apologize for my audio quality last week. I think I had like a cable loose or something, but my voice sounded very strange in the recording. Um, it was still like listenable, so whatever. But yeah, it sounded weird. Okay, yeah, yeah. For, for for what it's worth, I didn't notice, but I'm sure that this doesn't uh, stand for anything. Um, <laughs> did you even listen? I did. Of course I did. It was it was one episode I could look forward to because I didn't know what, what was going to happen. Anyway, uh, Valentine's Day in Vietnam is not very much of a big deal. So uh, did you have a good Valentine's Day? Um, yes, I, I brought an unplayable deck to uh, Standard Showdown. 
Um, and then uh, the less said about that, the best, the, be- the, the better. And then um, I went home and watched uh, another YouTube documentary. This was, do you know what, do you know what Valentine's Day this year marks the 50 year anniversary of? No. Uh, this is the 50 year anniversary of uh, Twitch Plays Pokemon. Um, oh. So were you, were you involved in that? Were you involved in that when it was happening? Uh, no, I wasn't involved, but I remember it happening. Like I was listening to like games news at the time, so. Yeah, yeah. So I, I suppose I, I was kind of I was just aware of it was happening, but I didn't know the full extent of it, and um, I wasn't aware of like all the mythology and folklore that evolved from it while it was uh, taking place. Um, but I, I looked at um, it was a I think it was a YouTube, I think a YouTube video um, by a group called Schwam. I think it's called Schwam Games. Uh, they they had like a, a they have like a half hour documentary or a half an hour video that's about the history of uh, the complete history of Twitch plays Pokemon, and it is absolutely amazing that I had no idea of the extent. Of the absurdity and the difficulty of, of what was undertaken um, this week five years ago, it was almost like it's almost like a testament to the human spirit for like how frustrating it must have been before everyone just to uh, still keep playing and, and push through and uh, complete the game. It's a, a wonderful story that I recommend. Yeah, sounds good. Um, I'll try and link both of these documentaries in <laughs> <Sorry. the show. laughs> non-magic related documentaries that are only tangentially related to gaming, I guess as, as well. But. Yeah, we are now a, a gaming general interest and documentary podcast. And it's like, we're not even contemporary gaming. It's uh, gaming things that happened uh, 18 and five years ago. <laughs> that podcast. Have you guys seen this Twitch Plays Pokemon? <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe someone tried to cheat and he wants to be in air 18 years ago. The absolute gall. All right. I know. But uh, we do have actual magic things to discuss this week. So yes, uh, start off with some news. And then we'll go into our kind of standard portion where you will kind of give us a little bit of a rundown of your RPTQ. So Why do I have to? Turn of turn and report. And yes, we'll sure. do enter the arena. Yes. Cool. So first up, we have a big banned and restricted announcement, which was completely uh, out of step with their schedule. So it came on Valentine's oh, yeah. Day also. Uh, so cool. a nice love letter to the arena best of one player but uh yeah next to fate is banned in arena standard form so this is the second emergency banning in as many years no i think what was the last emergency banning oh god um i think was it felidar actually, I, 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 yeah I only, I only realized now that this is actually out of this out of the it wasn't scheduled yeah i think felidar guardian was banned a week into the amaket format i think it was for yeah remember this, i think the story behind it was four quarters of Healy dominated um a3 Revolt format, standard format. Yeah. Um, and then with the new cards that Amokhet brought in, they thought that, oh yeah, maybe it's fine. But remember, it was like the first week of standard uh, when Amokhet came in, uh, just four quarter decks were just dominating um, that was dominating Magic Online because they just got upgraded with like all these amazing red cards. Like, um, well, uh, maybe just Glorybringer, but it was basically the the deck had like leveled up significantly when Amokhet came in. So I think it was like a week into the release of Amokhet, um, it was banned. Uh, you know, it was emergency banned, and then and I think for that point forward, they just put in more dates for bans to happen. Um, but I think this Texas Bay banning is the first unscheduled one since then. Yeah. Um. And the reason that it is unscheduled is because it's not a full ban of Nexus of Fate, so it's banned in Arena Standard format. So Arena Standard is what they are calling best of one. So even though you can play like as they call it traditional standard on Arena, that's not Arena Standard. So Traditional standard means best of three. Arena standard means best of one. So Nexus Fate is banned in arena standard. So they gave a fairly lengthy um, kind of justification of this. And I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody and their mother saw it coming. 
like two weeks ago or three weeks ago, they announced the they, they had that um that interview with Aaron Forsyth and Chris Clay where they're like, oh, we can maintain separate ban lists. By the way, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, couldn't have dropped a bigger hint there. Um, yeah. So yeah, they kind of went through this point by point in the post, which of course I'll link in the show notes. Um, and so they, first they addressed the power and basically their their decision when it comes to power level and nexus of fate is that it doesn't fit the power based criteria for banning. So it's not powerful enough. Basically, this is based on like finishes at tournament. So made a bit of a splash. This is what they say in the in the article. Yeah. There's a splash leading up to Pro Tour 25th anniversary and the reemerged the Turbo Fog as a standard league deck archetype. It only appeared in six out of 165 standard deck lists, none of which made it to top four. Uh, recent Grand Prix, not relevant. Uh, it still had a place in a few control decks. So basically, when it comes to power level, they were okay with Nexus of Fate. But then the second question was, is the card disrupting normal play? And of course, it was. Uh, me and Kieran talked about this last week. So we had some cases of some high profile, like MPL level players who were being Nexus looped on stream. And uh, here in the article, they compare Nexus of Fate to Clan Ironworks, which of course was also recently banned, and Etherworks Marvel, which was banned like two years ago or a year ago. Um, so yeah, basically they're they're just really unhappy with the, the gameplay that Nexus of Fate leads to. Uh, but they were overall okay with the fact that it could be sideboarded against in best of three. So you can duress people, you can negate people uh, in best of three formats, so they're okay with that. Um, they mention traditional formats. They're they're happy enough with Nexus of Fate now, as I said, because you can sideboard. They also mention a note on the timing of this announcement. So they said that this is a special case and they are going to continue with the normal, the normal cadence uh, where they have set times for ban announcements and they'll each time they come up to a, a ban window they'll announce that when the next one could happen as well so this should be the only emergency one that we see for the foreseeable future hopefully um they also gave a note on player collections which is basically if you have any copies of nexus of fate in your in-game collection you will receive that number of mythic wildcards as a refund and then if you want to keep the nexus of fate to play in best of three you can just recraft them uh, if you don't, well, you got some, you got a, you got a refund. Um, and they also said that they're going to change the buy a box promo for Corset in the in-game store to Omniscience instead of Nexus of Fate. Um, and they also mentioned that if you are in the middle of a best of one constructed event with Nexus of Fate in your deck, you can still finish that event, uh, but you then won't be able to queue a new one. So that's pretty much the extent of the announcement. What do you think about this? Yeah. Yeah, so I guess I'm I'm happy they banned it uh, in, in best of one, but I really just wish they just banned it outright all the way across the board in paper and in best of three. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think I feel like almost everyone I feel like you said yeah everyone everyone in the mother uh, your side is coming, but I also think I don't think there's a single person who actually likes this card because I think Texas of Eight was a mistake on so many different levels. Uh, you know, from from when it was first printed, but everything from the fact that yeah it causes these uh, these you know, gameplay complications with it being you know, shuffled back into your deck. Uh, the fact that it's only available in foil, the fact that, um, like you're not, it's arguably it's it's a very very powerful card, but you're not even allowed to play a paper events. It's 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 because it's only available in foil. You most of the time you have to use a proxy, um, to play a play in an event. So that's it's 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 basically just requiring a whole load of extra rules to be brought in around it. 
Yeah, and also the availability as well is low because uh, you can't get it in normal booster packs. I actually liked, uh, I, I like that they're changing the Biobox promo on a Magic Arena to Omniscience. And I, was just, I was just thinking, God, if only, if only that's what it was from the very start, like a cool alternate art Omniscience um, instead of Nexus of Fate. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I've done something about it. I like the rationale they give in the, in, in the announcement, but I, I, I just think it's, it's, it's worthwhile the spanning all the way across. Yeah, to be honest, I, I just wish they'd never done the, any of these Biobox promos. Because they're just so weird and awkward. It's it's the exact same thing. It's the same problem with the Planeswalker deck Planeswalkers. It's like you only need to mess up once. They're this weird group of cards yeah. that are like, ooh, they're legal and standard because we want people to feel good about having gotten these cards. But, oh, they're just like... It, the, the, the line that they have to walk is so fine between making sure that people have something cool and it not being so good that it causes a problem, that it's really just not worth it to me. They're just they're they're gonna make a mistake at some point, and literally the first one that they did was a mistake. So yeah, uh, that, that, that's what shocks me the most. Yeah, it's it, it was the first time. I mean, I don't know. I I just pulled up uh, Beacon of Tomorrow's as like a comparable card uh, that was standard eagle. Um, it's a uh, target player takes an extra turn after this one. Um, shuffle it into this library, and this is sorcery. But um, like it's Texas Fade is cheaper and it's instant. Like, I think if they just made Nexus of 8, I think the approach they could have taken for all of these cards, like the Planeswalker cards or, or the Box promos, is just, um, just make them, like, prohibitively expensive to cast. Like, if Nexus of 8, if Nexus of 8 cost 10 mana or 12 mana, you know, it, it would still have the casual player appeal. It would still be a cool card. It would still be, uh, um, you know, a cool card to cast pretty cast it. But uh, you, you, could just, you could just increase the uh, mana cost by a lot to make sure it never has an impact on constructive play. Yeah, the fact this is cheaper than Beacon of Morrows is bizarre. Yeah, that's mental. Uh, also, I think like 10 mana might actually be the limit of playable, but it might actually still be playable if uh, yeah. if this card was 10 mana because uh, of the interaction with Wilderness Reclamation, which is also just a stupid card and should be banned. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, exactly. I, I also, I, I've been playing a few Wilderness Reclamation decks and uh, yeah, it does feel dumb. I mean, sure, your opponent can have, but your opponent can interact with it. Like when they don't, um, it just makes control decks absurd. Like you, um, you no longer usually like when they uh, usually you know, turn five to fairy is your chance to to cast a spell to get in. Uh, usually, it's like you know, them casting a sorcery speed spell is your, your window of opportunity to turn the game around. Uh, Willingness reclamation just turn, just just gets rid of any downside of of exposing yourself. You cast uh, the sorcery speed spell. Yeah, it's complete. Yeah, I think both of these cards are just like well, like, okay. Nexus of Fate is not like raw power level. Nexus of Fate is lower than Wilderness Reclamation, of of course, because it's it yeah. is expensive. Um, and yeah. you're doing something reasonable with the extra turn as well. Like the like the Nexus of Fate deck would not be nearly as good without Search for Ascanta in the format because Search for Ascanta and Wilderness Reclamation together allow you to like, dig through a third of your deck every turn to to find another Nexus of Fate. But like yeah. All these cards are way too good. <laughs> yeah, and it's if you if you ever have played against someone who has uh, one or two or even one Wilderness Reclamation out and taking extra turns, they get to Ascanta two to three times. It is like they, they can look at very silly. They, they can look at yeah, they can look at so many cards. Um, I think it's like yeah, Nexus Fate maybe is fine by itself because uh, I think I think it happened it was maybe at a side event that during the weekend I was playing against someone and basically they were like they're I just want pressure them pressure on them and they're forced to go off, but they. But I did like Nexus, Nexus of Faded with a few cards in hand and without Ascanta and without Teferi. And like basically they're just paying mana to draw another card. Um, which like eventually they, they ran out of scene. But I think you can see instances when Nexus of Fate isn't a, isn't a, an absolute powerhouse. 
And then you can understand that, yeah, this card does need the support of other cards to, to actually go off. Yeah, if you play like an aggressive deck and you force somebody to do that when they have, like you force them to play their uh, their Nexus of Fate with, with no support behind it, um, when they have like, I don't know, like 47 cards left in their library or something like that, you're like, yes, I have a strong chance of winning this game. But yeah, their library exactly, goes yeah. below like 35, 33, 30, 30 cards, you're like, eh, end of the game. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's such a... We wouldn't, sometimes you can be like so close to winning, but then they have, they get all the tools online, everything lines up and they do start going off. And yeah, you just feel like, you know, you just feel like, oh my God, that's so close. And now they've gone from an empty board to, uh, to, to, to winning the game and there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. Not to mention Growth Spiral, accelerate all of this by a turn. Yes. Yeah, Growth, growth Spiral is, is very, very good. Um, yeah, you can just get your, you can just ramp from that into, um, into to four drop pretty handily. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of their willingness here to split apart best of one and best of three even further than they already did? Because, of course, they are fundamentally different formats anyway. Um, even though you can yeah. play like, the same decks in best of one and best of three, it's probably not advisable to do that because when you're playing best of one, it, it makes more sense to have more flexible cards in your main deck, especially if you're playing like a mid-range deck. If you're playing a mid-range deck, you need to really, really justify every single card's place in your deck in best of one. Because if you have like a removal spell against a control deck, that's quite that's going to be super bad for you, and you don't get a chance to sideboard. Uh, if yeah. you are a control deck and you have these expensive card draw spells against like a burn deck, again, that's going to be super bad for you because you don't get a chance to fix your deck post sideboard. So, h- how do you feel about them pushing these two formats even further apart? I, I actually I kind of like that. As I suppose the way you describe it there, I actually I actually do like that because I guess yeah, it's I mean it's very easy for us to throw up our hands and say oh best of one isn't magic. But I guess you know, and say, and there's that the format you here talked about last week, the um, the the what's called the dual standard, I think it's called. We have two different best one decks. Yeah, I feel like yeah, it's it's it is very different having a sideboard, but it does it's a new challenge, and yeah, it, it is a a, a a new way to build a deck, um, and it, it does you know kind of it it kind of pushes your pushes your deck building ability and it forces you to make tough choices, which uh, I guess is challenging, and actually I I do like that. Um, I mean, I think it's that's what it does ostensibly i think that's what they want people to think that it does but realistically that's not really what it does what it does is push the format to be really extreme and have super super aggro decks or super super control decks and nothing in between yeah i mean maybe, maybe that will happen or maybe that's already happened um yeah so i guess it's it's yeah, if that happens that's a that's a failure of, of of the format um i think it's yeah maybe like having diverse answers yeah might help um yeah I don't know. Maybe, maybe 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 i think the more i think about it maybe you're maybe you're right maybe uh if Let's say if Magic never had... Let's say Magic was always best of one, um, but the card pool was the same. I think you would see this dichotomy emerge like a lot earlier. And you'd have, you basically, you'd have no reason to play a mid-range deck. Yeah, I mean, it, it would. I'm sure it would change from standard to standard, but yeah, I think it would be more, um, more divergent like that. You'd have like super aggro decks, control decks, and then you'd have like combo decks. There'd be no... No real mid-range or like creature combat style decks or like grindy card advantage yeah. type things. It'd be like Hearthstone, basically. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then, yeah, then I suppose maybe, I mean, maybe this is supposed to be uh, looking at you too much. So the main reason why, well, one of the main reasons why they're banning it the best of one is because yeah, it's, it's a it's it, basically it's a strategy that is difficult to sideboard. It's, it's it's strategy that you're not likely to have an answer for in game one in best of one. But I feel like that is something that applies to like a whole lot of other cards as well. Um, like. You know, like, so, so sometimes you, you know, sometimes you play against like any kind of combo deck uh, in other formats. Um, it's like, yeah, you, you know, this game one is is just going to be uh, a loss for you because you don't have the answers in, in your deck. 
Um, well, you know, because yeah, you have cyborg games. Yeah, you, you know, you know, you can turn advantage towards you in the next in the post cyborg games. But then, if those kind of decks become popular in standard going forward, does that set a precedent to ban more cards? I don't know. That like that is true. Like that statement can be made about not just Nexus of Fate. It can be made like in my mind, you can make that statement about actual card types. So I would say like yes. enchantments and artifacts in general are hard to answer game one. Yeah. Like also like Carnage Tyrant, I guess, or or Nivisit, or kind of yeah, powerful cards that you need a very specific answer for, which you're not likely to have in game. Depending on, depending on what deck you're playing, you may not have an answer for game one. Um, so like yeah, yeah, like, like also, yeah, back, back, to the, back to the first one you made. Yeah, those, those cards are very very good in best one. Um, then maybe maybe I'm being pessimistic, but I think the rationale that wizards are using during this announcement can be applied to the cards like Nivisit and like Carnage Tyrant, um, and like I don't know, Ad Nauseum or something, uh, which oh yeah. If you're using rationality using here, those cards could be banned in best of one uh, going forward. Well, I, I don't think that they would ever really ban a creature in that way, just because, like, the thing about creatures is that they can be beat by just other creatures. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. You can't, okay, like, another Carnage Tyrant. The game with a Carnage Tyrant, really. If you have enough creatures on your board, you can just be in, like, a standoff or you can block it or whatever. Yeah. Like, a Niv Mizzet, you know, it's, it's awkward, but you can kill it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, sorry, I don't say advantage off the top of my head. Uh, like some like fever visions, like sometimes turn three fever visions just ends the game against some decks. Uh, some colors can't deal with enchantments. Yeah, uh, that, that, that's a that's something that yeah, that, that's only miserable in getting in best one. Uh, oh, well, I don't know, hopefully, but so I kind of my I my, my closing thoughts on this is I, I, I'd like them to ban Nexus of Fate for all of the reasons I mentioned earlier about it being a mistake of a magic card rather than because it's difficult to beat in, in best one. Yes, totally agreed. Um, just kind of piggybacking off one of the decisions that they made in that, which was to give people their wild cards back. Uh, these, or give people a wild card refund from the Nexus of Fate. Uh, that kind of leads into the the state of the beta uh, announcement that they made earlier this week as well, uh, or I, yeah. I guess it was actually last weekend. It was the eleventh February. Um, so they put out a little video uh, and an article to say that they, you know, this was their the February update for Magic Arena. And they added a few nice little things, like um, they added some, uh, they added best of three to the direct challenge, so you can challenge somebody to best of three, and some customization for that, so like who wins the coin flip. Uh, they added some Discord integration. They added some deck builder improvements, so like there's, you can sort your decks by format. The decks don't kind of jump around randomly anymore. One good, one really good thing that they added to the deck builder was the ability to build decks out of cards that you don't own yet. And then you can just add them. Yeah, that's great. Add the wild cards or add the cards in as you as your wild cards become available. Um, so that's really handy. Yeah. Uh, so that's like the crafting mode. They added a couple of languages. Um, and then some other quality of life improvements that they said. So there were some things with like the stack and multi-blocking that people had problems with. So um one of the things that people had a problem with was resolving everything on the stack and having to click through everything. So people were running at a time. So they added a resolve all button. Um, and they also added the ability to mass select attackers and blockers. So if you have like a stack of yep. the same token, you can just click on the stack and it will try to assign the tokens as blockers. Um, the resolve all button yep. I think is great. And one more thing that they added here which I kind of want to talk about a little bit just to exemplify how hard of a spot these developers are in is that they added the, or they kind of, in fact, they actually took away something. 
So previously, if you were in full control mode and you wanted to cast a spell, what you would do is uh, you would put the spell on the stack, so you'd drag it out of your hand, and then you would have to um, manually pick the lands that you wanted to tap for mana for the spell, and then that mana would go to your mana pool, and you would have to click the mana in the mana pool to spend it. So this was like one step too many, in my opinion. Clicking the mana in the mana pool when you've already clicked the lands to add the mana to the mana pool seemed a little bit ridiculous to me. Um, yeah. I know a lot of people did complain about it on Reddit. I saw this complaint quite a lot. And so that when they made this change, I was like, great, that's handy. Because sometimes I want to be in full control and I want to choose the lands that I want to tap. But once I've chosen the lands and tapped them for mana, I just want the mana to be spent out of my pool. I don't want to do like four more clicks or whatever it is. Um, yeah, yeah. But straight away after this change happened, I saw people in a huge thread on Reddit complaining about this change, saying, can we please change back and make it so that we have to click the mana individually? So the, the one example that I saw was a person playing Zakama and wanting to float, like say, saying that they had like they had access to blue, blue, red, red, green, green, and they wanted to do the lightning bolt mode ability of Zakama twice, but yeah. instead of um, when, when they went to click the the ability it spent all the red mana in one go so they were left with like blue blue green floating instead of blue red green or whatever and it's like oh come on yes yeah. click the mana yourself yeah all, all exactly. you have to do in that situation is click one blue and one green and then it'll only take one more red out of your pool and you'll have three yeah yeah in your pool still so like i just wanted to bring that up to to kind of show how awkward it is for these game developers when they're hearing so many conflicting things i think this change they should keep and overall it just makes the play experience smoother and no matter how much people complain they should not revert this yeah definitely i mean it's like yeah i think that's a comma um that's a comma uh, example is is, is ridiculous because basically i think what basically happened was a person did it and they didn't realize change happened so they lost the game presumably they lost the game because of that um but like they could I mean, you know, if they do it again, they can just do it properly, like you described. They they can click the the, the mana properly. Um, that I think it's it's I feel it's, it's more so this person was complaining they they lost this particular match because of because of that rather than saying so they just want to give out that they lost the match because of because of the, the change. Um, and they're using that to justify oh they should change it back. Whereas like really the solution is for them to just to cop on and uh, and click the mana properly. Um, was, that doesn't happen. That doesn't need to happen to them again. Basically. Yeah. Like they, that person needs to realize that they are the corner case, not yeah. the other way around. Yeah, and who's playing the fucking Zakama? Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so the next thing that we want to talk about is Magic Fest London, which is coming up very soon. It's coming up in March, I believe. Um, and no, it's uh, end of April, April twenty third. I thought it was March. Oh, I'll, I'll just double check this. Um, GP Brexit. What? No, uh, Magic Festival. But, uh, we're calling it GP, GP Brexit. Oh, um, okay. uh, apparently Brexit may or may not have an impact on uh, the supply of of uh, of, con- of um, product. Um, Ooh. Well, these, these, well, this is just, you know, wild rumors flying around at Orbit. Okay, well, I mean, that would be very unfortunate if so, because this Magic Fest is going to be a pre-release. Yeah. So it was announced by Wizards of the Coast and Channel Fireball that Magic Fest London is going to be a pre-release. So people people noticed on the uh, the Wizards Play Network that the the War of the Spark pre-release had been scheduled for the same weekend as Magic Fest London, and people were like, "Is this a mistake? This must be a mistake." 
And then yeah, yeah. a few hours later, it was announced that no, it is not a mistake. And Wizards and Channel Fireball are doing a unique pre-release GP for this uh, War of the Spark release. So who knows if they're going to do this again? I mean, the fact that they do it once probably means that they have a plan to do it other times, try it in other places. Yeah. And, you know, fair play to them trying things. But I don't know about this one. It makes me feel a bit weird. So the the tournament is yeah, different yeah. as well. So it's going to be a pre-release. So it's going to be sealed. And it's going to be the weekend before the set comes out. So it's going to be, you know, completely new to everyone. Everyone's going to be playing the cards for the first time. And instead of a normal day one where they have uh, nine rounds, the, the, the day one for constructed or for limited GPs was like, was it still nine rounds? It was like you would... You would cut after eight rounds to like day two, but you would just play the ninth round anyway. Wasn't that what it was? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 For limited GPs. So yeah. Instead of. Sorry, this, this is a, yeah. It's going to have. Sorry, this is a April. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, this is a, it's a April 27, 28. Is a 27, 28. Okay. Um, yeah. So the day one of this. War of the Spark pre-release Grand Prix Magic Fest is going to have four flights of players who compete to get into day two. So they're going to be seven round flights and you have to do six one or better. So everybody who's six one or seven oh gets to go to day two and the flights begin on Friday. So you can technically you can qualify on Friday, have a free Saturday and come back on Sunday to play your day two or your GP. Yeah, so it's there's a and the price of each flight is uh, 70, 70 pounds. 70 pounds, which, which is a huge amount of money. So that's crazy. Yeah, which is, I think it's very... Um, yeah. I, I find this to be quite exploitative because I feel like there's a lot of people who are going to lose two rounds in the first flight and then be like, okay, sign me up for the next one. And then they're going to lose two rounds. Oh, definitely, yeah. And they're going to go, okay, I'm coming back tomorrow morning. And they're going to pay like three or four times to yeah. nothing. Yeah, people people definitely will. I mean, I suppose like the, the way I, the way I, um, I kind of analyze it is... If you open up a terrible pool at a limited GP and, uh, like, say, a, a normal limited GP, uh, if your pool is terrible and you lose the first two rounds, if you're given the option to pay an entry fee again for another pool and start again, I think a lot of people will just take that. Yeah, I think so. It's like it's it, people are yeah people will be willing to pay for another chance to make day two. Uh, so now they have they have three more chances for day two, and I, I think a large portion of people are going to play more than one, more than two. I think a huge a huge amount of people are going to play two. I don't know if yeah. there'll be like so many people who will play three or four, but I think a lot of people will play will play two of them. Yeah, yeah. Is there which is already which is already well above? Uh, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, what you guess is is you know, once you're once you've done yeah but once once you reach once you're playing in two, you're already well above the, uh, the entry fee of a of a, a normal limited GP. Yeah. yeah, and I guess another thing is it there, there's no buys at this event. Oh yeah, yeah, that's another very important part. Absolutely no buys. So anybody who worked for Planeswalker points to have buys for a GP? No, that's gone. Yeah, yeah, it's it's which is very disappointing because it's like I think London. I, know, I suppose maybe come to whether whether that decision as to whether or not I'm going to this. Um, I'm still up in the air on, but I guess there's so many things, there's so many small um decisions that have been made, like the removal of buys, that are making me less likely to go to this. It was like when I was, you know, see again, when, yeah, I was like grinding a lot for my last um to get, get my last few planeswalkers for planeswalker points for having two buys for the year. Um, but I think it's like. You know, GP London being a limited GP, uh, which we knew that for a while so before we knew it was previous. That was just a slam dunk because, like, I'm definitely going to this because, like, London is so accessible for us, uh, so cheap to get there. And, uh, like, it, it's, 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 a, it's a kind of, in a way, I was anticipating having two buys to this GP for a very long time. Um, and now I'm just told that, you know, I won't. 
Yeah, and with no kind of explanation of what will happen to buys in the future or where the local competitive scene is going, it, it looks pretty bad and it kind of leaves a bad taste in people's mouths. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's just, just a mess. Um, I suppose, and this, this isn't even mentioned, the, the impact this will have to local game stores uh, around the uh, UK and Ireland. There's a potential, uh, there's a potential loss, in, loss in, uh, in, in customers for previous weekend. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of the other aspect to it. Um, so obviously, game stores hugely rely on pre-release to get people in. Uh, people love going to their game stores for pre-release, but people also love going to GPs. And I can imagine that, you know, on, on paper, this this pre-release GP sounds great. Like, it sounds like there'd be a really cool atmosphere at it. I, I would love to go. But is it going to draw people away from their normal pre-release are, are game stores going to have a really bad weekend in the uk because of this yeah yeah and i, I think it's I, I think it's definitely a possibility i'm sure I, uh, i'm aware of uh, um lg owners in, in ireland are, are you know putting putting peters out to see uh you know how many people are actually planning and going to going to, to gp london or going to go to magic Festival in london um yeah just, just a gauge or not it will have an impact so it's something that you know even shop owners over here are worried about uh so i'm sure that's like going to be uh, i'm sure there's gonna be much more significant impact to game stores actually in uh, london yeah because like it's it's pretty much a given that if there's a gp in the uk because they're they're the closest for ireland if if there's a gp in the uk a lot of irish players are going to go to it it's pretty much a given like whether it's london or birmingham or wherever it is yeah yeah london is probably the, the easiest to access yeah i am so i think it's yeah so i feel i, I think I'm, I'm coming towards the decision of not going to, to gp london even though something i was looking forward to for a while um, hmm. I think, yeah, partially, yeah, I think, that's <clears throat> also for me personally, in my head, yeah, because I, I played a lot of competitive, competitive events, competitive events, but I think, like, my, this is my, my approach to Magic, really, I really have, uh, I really have pre-releases and competitive events kind of siloed off as two very different entities uh, in my approach to the game. So, like, when I'm playing at a pre-release, uh, I won't be, you know, spiking, I won't be competitive, I won't be super competitive, I'll, I'll really just go to, go to pre-release to enjoy it and get used to the cards and, and yeah, just for the atmosphere, you know, talking to new people and stuff. Uh, whereas, like, you know, in a GP, I'm like, for preparing for, for, for a GP, I'm like, you know, grinding every night before. I'm like, uh, really, you know, paying attention to every little detail. I'm you know, trying my best, my best to do the best, uh, do the best I can. Whereas I think this event, it kind of just brings these two very separate entities together in a really strange way. Um, that like, it's like, maybe it's almost kind of known that I won't be able to practice a lot for this. It's this GP that I won't be able to practice for at all. I don't think. Um, I think it's just an end today that we can. That award of spark will be out on Magic on Magic Arena just a few days before. Uh, I mean, like we're not going to have a, a. I feel like oh, there's no way we can have a good handle, a good handle on the format uh, just in a few days before a big tournament. So I was like, that's kind of one aspect of it, and then one aspect of it, and then I think just the more I, I the more I read about the the flights and how they'd work, um, and the, 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 as you guys mentioned, the exploitative nature of them, um, just just I think it just turned turned me off even more. Uh, that on top of having uh, no buys, um, yeah, and then furthermore, if, if you do qualify for day two. Like day two is sealed again. Like isn't that crazy? Yeah. So it's sealed again, and then top eight is draft. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. It's very unusual. Why? <laughs> yeah. I, I. I actually don't. Know. It may be something to do with the number of rounds in day two. Maybe the number of rounds day two is different because I suppose for draft you need to have there needs to be six rounds. Um. But well, I, I don't know. It's a uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. But yeah, having to go having to go X one uh, in a flight is like very rough. Yeah. It's it's like the new style of TQs that exist at Grand Prix where you you basically have to like. XO or XO won the Swiss. You're like very far fetched. Yeah, it's basically single limb. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, uh, like so. You know, these flights are going to be essentially double a limb. When yeah, yeah. Normally, a normal day two at a GP six and two, you're like, hmm, 
like I've gone like three and one at tournaments before. Six and two is only double that. I can do that. But this yeah, yeah, exactly. is more unrealistic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, that's uh that's the news in when it comes to Magic Fests. Um I mean, hopefully War of the Spark is cool anyway, and we'll just all enjoy playing it. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> in London, whichever we decide to go to. Yeah, yeah. What do you think of uh, the buzz surrounding uh, the idea that War of the Spark could contain, like, a bunch of planeswalkers, 30-something planeswalkers? Yeah, I think it's a really exciting idea. I think it's an idea that, that we, we, at this point, we can trust uh, or need or can we or need to do a good job of it. Uh, I think there's lots of speculation about how it will be uh, executed. Um, but then, I mean, it's, it's possible that that's, it, it just won't be a big planeswalker set. Is that, is, that, is, that, is, that, is that actually confirmed, or do, do we just have some cryptic comments from Arrow um, alluding towards the fact that might be? No, it's not confirmed at all. It's basically, so they put out the War of the Spark trailer. It features this tower with a bunch of stained glass, um, stained glass pictures or stained glass uh, windows of uh, loads of different planeswalkers. And people have been able to identify yeah. most of them from, from the trailer. And Morrow yeah. made some comments on his blogatog where he said that uh, they wouldn't, they, they took art from the set and stained glassed it. They, they changed the, the art into stained glass art. Um, okay. Right. They didn't make these specifically for the trailer. Um, so, but nobody knows if he means like art from the set as in cards or whether it's like just concept art from the set. And also somebody later uh, asked him a question where they said, uh, would you ever make a set with like 30 planeswalkers? And he said that would be crazy with like a smiley face. And usually when he does like little winky faces or smiley faces, that means, hey, uh, this thing is probably coming soon. <laughs> oh, wow. It's, a, it's, it's, it, yeah, it is, it is exciting. And I guess it's, um, um, this one topic we can do is wait and see. But, uh, I do know, I can't, I, I can't see his name, but, um, there is apparently one of the same glass, the, the walkers in the same glass windows is, um, the new planeswalker from the Brandon Sanderson uh, story. Yeah. Children the, of the name. That, uh, I haven't read it yet, but uh, I've got, got to check it out. Yeah, I have not read that story yet. I, I would like to, but the, the planeswalker's name is Davriel Kane. Oh, yes. Class, but yeah, it's, yeah, I'm definitely excited to see the, um, the Word of Spark. Um, I think we, we're doing some speculation as to like, maybe it's all the planeswalkers lose their spark, so we have maybe a whole lot of um, uh, uncommon legendary creatures that like are like you know, Jace without a spark or, or Gideon without a spark. And they have like, yeah, it's a little kind of, they, maybe they have like on a Jaya Bannard like the original Jaya Bannard um, activated abilities or well, maybe even just um, like legendary walkers like we saw or le- legendary creatures like we saw in Dominaria and then maybe a, a, a legendary matters theme. But I suppose, you know, at one point, maybe you know, going too far down that rabbit hole, you're, you're just making a set that's essentially just like Dominaria again. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, but like, I mean, Dominaria still, still is in standard and like those those would be historic. So that might Ooh. extend the life of yeah. historic as a mechanic. I mean, that's true. Anyway, um, Interesting. We'll yeah, got more about that as uh, as previews start over the next, I don't know, they'll probably start like a month from now, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Maybe even longer, but yeah, I guess it's uh, still early days. Yeah. So we are going to move on now to Standard, which is going to also feature the return of our tournament. So you can kick it off, Al, now, because the RPTQ was last weekend, so... Standard has already moved on from that, so you might as well just give us yes. what Standard was looking like at the RPTQ. Do I have to? No, because <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't do very well, but uh, yeah, here. So, you I guess... Um, in like a detached way, if you want. <clears throat> no, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about my own experience. Um, yeah, so I, I guess I was supposed to study off, um, last week you heard uh, a quick kind of summary I gave of my preparation for tournament. For the tournament. So basically, um, I suppose we were kind of expected, so I expected uh, Mono Blue 
Um, we expected possibly some Nexus Dex decks. Uh, I think what I landed on was, like I said, well, I, I wanted to play as Bell here, Space Deck. Uh, I ended up playing Drakes. Uh, I was pretty happy with my choices, pretty happy with my sideboard um, and my strategy. Um, so I guess, yeah, I, I straight away, uh, it was evident that uh, Mono Blue was very, was very well represented in the, in the tournament. I guess the, across the board, there was, I'll probably, probably just speak, not, mess, not necessarily given numbers, but I think it was yeah, mainly Soul Time Mono Blue uh, as like top two decks. Uh, and then there's some Drakes, um, then maybe Nexus and White, Weenie, Nexus and White Weenies uh, represented almost equally as well. Um, so yeah, so kind of, kind of seeing that, it was like, I was happy that I, I kind of so you know, successfully predicted what the format would look like. Um, so going down uh, round one, uh, I, I lost round one in the mirror uh, against uh, Fabrizio and Terry. Um, you know, our, a player with, with very good results, uh, arguably the best player in the room. Uh, we played the mirror. Um, our sideboard strategy was quite similar. Um, I think he actually, he, he brought in uh, Entrancing Melody uh, for, in the mirror against Strikes, which is something that I was, something that I considered doing before, but I wasn't really sure I, it's something that I kind of went back and forth on, you know, was because I guess, you know, one level, the Drake Spear match really just comes down to, you know, you just need to have one threat on the board to, to win the game uh, and to get through uh, because of the nature of the threats in, in Drake's. Um, yeah, you really, you, you use the, the mirror to sense up where you just play one threat, one threat at a time. Uh, so I'll be able to take, take an opponent's threat uh, and, and there'll be a basic intrinsic melody will let you uh, answer your opponent's threat and also produce your own threat. Um, but you're, but still, it's like, but then, at the end of the day, it's still a very fast, it is a very um, expensive source of speed spell in a mirror match where your opponent's playing three spell pierce and three dive down. Um, but uh, so I, I was, so it was something I was considering, but I always was really sold on. But then uh, uh, in game three, uh, he used it on me to a very uh, strong effect. Um, so he won that. Um, so then game two, I played against, uh, yeah, so, after, so then it's after that. So I was kind of, kind of, you know, kind of you know, on a downer after losing round one. Um, in round two, I got a game loss for tardiness. Which is terrible mistake on my part. So I was thinking, oh my god, am I, am I, am I, am I just gonna completely scrub out of this tournament because I was just like in the bathroom on my phone and I, I didn't hear the, uh, I didn't hear the announcement for the next round. So I got, I got a game lost tiny this. Uh, my opponent was playing a deck which I mean I usually don't like to badmouth opponents I had, but his deck was very very bad. Um, what? I think it was almost like a brew. Yeah, it was a, I think it was a brew. Um, it was Jund, but not, but not the chain whirler. Um, you know, chain world build, chain world build. Yeah, it was essentially it was, it was essentially gruel, uh, splash and black. Uh, I didn't see any black cards. We might as well have just been playing just you know a, a seventy-five, a list, of, a list of seventy-five. Um, you know, like like your normal gruel deck. Um, but he's playing uh, uh, what's it called um, wild Grove champion. No, what's what, what's the, the tree? The, the green three drop, green green green. Sea leaf champion. Um, sea leaf champion. Yeah. Yes, he's playing, yes, yeah. So he's splashing black for no cards and playing sea leaf champion. Um. <laughs> So, but like a great plan. So I, yeah, yeah. So I think on turn on turn three. So he had, he had like you know the joint colors up. He had all three colors online on turn three, and he went to tap three lands, and then he's about to play a spell. Then he says, "Oh no, wait, I can't, I can't, I can't cast that." Uh, and then he passed her back to me, and I was like, "What the hell was what kind of card?" And then I was trying to figure out what card he's trying to play because he has three colors online. Um, uh, he, uh, you know, I, I think I think one of the lands out was Dragon Soul Summit, but I was, I was thinking like the you know, Gold Spellbreaker he could cast. Uh, most of the three drops I'd accept him to play, he could cast. Um, so I was trying to figure out what, what card he couldn't play. And then, um, so I, I just took my turn, I was still on my board, war and attacked. Then on turn four, he played a forest and then played uh, Sea Leaf Champion. I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's what we're trying to do. Um, okay. The game ended up being very close. Uh, he, he was beating me down with a, with a kind of Shiren, and I was just barely hanging on. I was, I was like doing stuff like um, cast and dive down just to make my creature's toughness bigger to not die to trample. Um, so I just barely won. 
Um, so, uh, I mean, I, I guess, uh, yeah, maybe the, the, the deck wasn't great, but he still almost uh, took the game off me or took, took the match off me. Uh, so that was um, round two. Uh, round three, I played against a player from Team Axion, um, uh, Kair Patel, uh, his name was. He was, um, I, I'd have seen him in, pre- in the previous round playing uh, next uh, Nexus of Gates deck. And when I saw him playing, he was, it, was very, it was very evident he was a very competent, play, competent player. Um, his deck was before, looked like it performed very well. So he, sorry, he, went to, he went to time in round two. Um, and like his deck just looked very, very powerful. So I was like straight away thinking, God, I hope not playing against him because basically the Nexus, Nexus decks are one of the hardest, or probably the hardest matchup for Drake's. Um, then he had Rentry played against him and he just absolutely destroyed me. Um, I guess it was like a classic, uh, yeah, it was, it was a Gates, Gates deck uh, with, with Nexus of Fate with a uh, Wilderness Reclamation. Um, I, side, I probably could have done a better job sideboarding. I sideboarded, I kind of sideboarded and, you know, trimmed our removal, brought in kind of, kind of magic. Uh, and then he just played, you know, the sheep on turn three. Um, and then just made that very, very large. Um, I did make, it's one of those, did you ever make like a heads up play that you think is, even though you lost, basically I made, I made a play that lost me in the game, but I was happy I made it. Uh, I, was on, I was on eight life. He had a, he had a seven, seven sheep, loads of mana open. Um, and I, 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 I tapped out to play Nim Mizzet. So I'm thinking like, once I untap, I'm going to be very far ahead. Um, so when he, when he tapped with the seven, seven, I was on eight, I was on eight life. I'm thinking, well, yeah, if I don't block, if I, if I don't block here, I'm, I'm dead to a uh, good spiral. Uh, if it was you know instant speed makes the sheep bigger, uh, but I think the only way to win the game is if I don't block and say I'm one, then get to one tap. Uh, so I didn't block, but then he had to go spiral. So I was like, ah, well, you know, that was one line that wins me the game. Uh, so at this point, um, I was on, I was on, I was X two, uh, round four. I played against, um, uh, I played against uh, Esper Control, and he beat me pretty handily. The tournament was over quite briefly. Oh, um, yeah, so unfortunate one. Yeah, exactly. So, so I was, I, I was super confident going in. Um, I think. Yeah, I suppose like only I I ran one last mirror that was very close. Um, so I guess yeah, maybe maybe if I had some more time, I would have found I, I would have kind of realized how good uh, Transcend Melody is in a mirror. It wasn't part of my cyber pantering. I did. Um, uh, Fabrizio ended up uh, top in the Swiss. Uh, I think in this, in the top eight as well. So it's because of numbers, it was 107 players. Um, the uh, sorry, actually no, it was 111 players. Um, so all of the top eight, uh, you know, got qualifications. Got qualified. Got qualifications. All, all top eight all qualified. Uh, so amongst them was um, Autumn Bridget, who was on Mono Blue. Um, uh, I think yeah, there's a few, there's few, a few Mono Blue. And I think, yeah, I think there's maybe more than one Mono Blue player in top eight. Uh, a few Mono Blue players in top eight. Um, Drakes and then uh, Nexus of Gates, I think, as well. Uh, so I think, yeah, so I, I, I don't really have any rests in the tournament. I feel like maybe I probably was better. I think Mono Blue was maybe a little bit more well positioned in the tournament. Um, I think, out of, as you can hear from my you know, discussion last week, was you know a, a, a coin toss between uh, sorry, Police is from Mono Blue. Uh, I, I very easily could have brought Mono Blue, but I didn't. Well, I think that Mono Blue was probably a really good choice for last weekend, um, for most people. Yeah. So in a way, I mean, you bringing Drake's good against Mono Blue, right? It's it's a like, oh yeah, that, that's true. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, a, actually, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is fun. Yeah, like it's, it's I, mean, I guess that's massively polarized matchup, but it's like it's it's in the favor of Drake's by by a little bit. So I think you bringing Drake's could have been a great choice, but unfortunately you just lost the mirror by a little bit and then came up came up against your two worst matchup. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean I think it's yeah. So I, I think it could be a very different story if um um if I yeah if I, if I was if I was playing against more salt like more mono blue, which we're all heavily represented. So um yeah, I, I guess it's a. I mean, it was, you know, it was a disappointing result. Uh, it was still a fun weekend. Uh, it was kind of, it was one of those things I felt like this time, more so than other RPGs, that I was um, 
I was interacting with more um, UK more you know, UK players. Was kind of go go and getting more names and kind of you know kind of you know our group was was integrating more with with you know, with, with the other um, uh, UK players. So it kind of something that while I was happening, I was like, oh, I can't wait for the next one. Then it was you know sad realizing that uh, that um, you know there won't be another opportunity. Um, and that was something that was getting me excited for GP London because this is all before the announcements came out about uh, about um, Magic Fest London. So uh, it was still, it was still a good weekend. And I guess uh, shout outs to Axion. Uh, they actually put on a great event. Uh, it was so this RPG had a uh, hundred and hundred and eleven players, but for the entire weekend, um, for Saturday and Sunday, they had a whole lot of events. They had a, a very, they had um, a team, tri- a, a team trios constructed event. Uh, they had um, little ultimate masters drafts uh, on demand. Uh, they had a uh, uh, routing legions drafts on demand. But uh, on the Sunday, at the same time as the RPG, they had uh, a massive, uh, a very large modern event. Uh, I think, the, I think the prize, I think the top four each got a crate of ultimate masters. Oh my god! So like very, very. Yeah, very generous prizes and like you know, these you know, that quote unquote side event had uh, like more players than the team. So it was it was almost like a mini GP. I think it was in terms of the scale, it was almost like it was like bigger than our nationals uh, this weekend. Or that that, that that weekend the weekend as a whole was larger than um our nationals. But obviously that's very that's very not not too difficult to not too difficult to do since it's a day event. Um yeah. you know, there there's some Irish players who travelled over just for the other events too, rent for qualify for the RPQ, so yeah, it was like a mini GP. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so it was one of those things that every time I see something cool like that happen, I was like, oh, I can't wait for the next one. But now, yeah, well, as far as you know, there won't be a next one. But no, maybe something else will replace it. Yeah, I mean, as it stands, I think they they were supposed to they're supposed to let us know very very soon what's replacing our PTQs. Um, I think before the end of February. Uh, but I don't really know. Oh yeah, yeah. It's I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't want to go back to discussion discussing uh, GP London again, but um. I think so many things with the, the way they've trickled the news about GP London makes me think that it probably was a mistake, or I don't know. That's suspecting. Because I mean, do, do you think they could have told us like they, they, once they announced the date, they could have told us that it was a pre-release, right? Um, I honestly have no idea. I don't think it was a mistake. I think it I think it was definitely intentional. Like the the change in format means that they must have thought about it for some amount of time. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I don't know. I may be looking to more. So uh, it was on the eleventh of February they tweeted. That, um, the, the first tweet they, they gave was that. Uh, so basically, sorry, last Monday they tweeted that uh, confirming yes, um, pre-releases April 27th, 28th, same weekend as uh, MTG London. Uh, we have we have more exciting we have more exciting stuff to share about uh, this exciting weekend of Magic uh, later this month. Well, it was actually the next day when they dropped the the full information on top of everybody. Mm, so it's I don't know I don't know. It's, it, it, maybe they just had received like a lot of complaints from players who are like, what are we supposed to do? Like how 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 can we confirm our plans? This is quite close. You know what I mean? Like there are people yeah, presumably that's what it's like. now yeah. that like they weren't, they haven't been given enough notice of this because like, you know, you, you need to confirm travel plans months in advance. People have booked things. Like how are they, they, they probably decided to pivot on how soon they were sharing the information just because of that probably backlash where people were like, well, you need to give us more information now because these are big things that people plan for. So Please tell. Yeah, us. definitely. Yeah, yeah. I feel I feel it probably was a response to feedback to change their their, their announcement, uh, their, their announcement timeline. But anyway, yeah. So that was that was my RPQ, my last RPQ experience. Um, obviously, I was hoping to do a little bit well, uh, little, do do a little bit better. I think now uh, I played four RPQ, RPQs, and at each one I was X two by round three. Uh, so oh. uh, very good, very good run in people's, but uh, less so in RPQs. Well, um, maybe in well. whatever re- replaces RPQs, you'll have a better run. Yes. That, 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 that would be great. Uh, we'll see how it is. So, talking about standard generally, um, 
standard has kind of moved on a little bit from that. Uh, I think Mono Blue is still kind of on top. Sultai, we're still seeing a lot of. Sultai has evolved. Sultai has Thief of Sanity in the main deck now. It's getting super greedy. But then I think there were some Mono Red decks and, and a few other things like that. That I mean, last week I was saying you should play a Shock deck because of these Thief of Sanity evolutions. So I, I think yep. Sultai went away from that a little bit to in order to win some percentage points back against Red. And most of the Sultai decks that I yeah. play against now have Wild Grow Walker back in the main with the Explorer package. Okay, yeah, I, I think it's well, like you're saying. I think it does depend on where the format is, but uh, I feel like I feel like this Explorer package is so much closer to your actual game plan than um, you know, then playing a value creature on turn three and hoping it survives the turn cycle. Like I, I'd rather you know, use Explorer package to gain incredible advantages, you know, with each turn, even if you have an answer to each your creatures. Um, you know, I think that's that's what I prefer playing the Sultai. Um, I guess yeah. Uh, we, I do think that the key part of the deck, and I think that there's yeah. a lot of the decks now in standard. They see quite a big percentage of their deck each game. So like the yeah. explore package in Sultai, in Drakes you have like a million cantrips. In Esper you have a bunch of draw spells, and obviously you want to extend the game, so your games are going to be longer naturally. Even Mono Red now mm. has has things like light up the stage. So all these decks yeah. have like ways to go really long. And I think that Explore Package in Sultai is one of their main ways to do that. And I, I think it's probably too important. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I suppose I mentioned um, that I played in the Playbill deck at uh, Sanger Showdown. Um, this was uh, basically a team rec- team reclamation deck with Nimizit and hoping to uh, untap uh, lands that would Nimizit and play. Um, yeah, it's, don't, don't, don't play that. It's, it's not good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's all I'll say about it. <laughs> I certainly have seen a few deck lists here and there. But uh, no, it doesn't doesn't seem that impressive. Yeah, because I think it's it's. I feel like you need. I think around that time you want to have you know a better way to save this. Um, you want to have better board wipes. Uh, I like. I prefer. I, I do prefer the gate deck that has so you know, um gate plays. Um, because you know, gate deck is essentially a ramp deck with um basically cheap spells or basically cheap um uh, threats and engine. But as I was saying, the gate the gate deck has uh, a cheap threat in, in the form of a uh, gatebreaker ram. Has a cheap engine in the form of uh, in the form of a uh, uh, kill summit, and it has a cheap board wipe in the form of gates blaze. Which, like, yeah, you need to have your know, lands to play for you to get value out of them. But uh, I think it's it's there, there are threats that you can you know handily play around um, yeah, spell pierce or or, or kind of magic by having you know other 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 um, other mana up. Uh, so it, it's that, that essentially is like a ramp deck with a, a reliable uh, board wipe. Whereas the version I was playing with Nibisit uh, was ramp deck. Uh, without uh, a board wipe, it was already want to be. Yeah, it's kind of kind of unfortunate. You can just go four color, throw in a few deafening clarions, be grand. Yeah, exactly. Because you got you got you got, you got card selection of mana. Uh, a list to look at. A list to like uh, from the weekend um, from last weekend was um, Rakdos Midrange by uh, Jody Keith in the SEG Open. Oh, yeah, in, in, in the SEG Open, it uh, came seventh. Uh, this is just like it's like a. It's, it's almost similar to the, to the uh, black red decks uh, we saw before when. So we we had you know black red you know, we had black red with a chain roller and with a hard gear and um this is like you know, a bigger version with siege gun command, commander uh, rekindling phoenix I think rekindling rekindling phoenix I think is uh, very well positioned right now based on you know what, what other decks are doing um you know it's Rick's Valley Reveler four Rick's Valley Reveler four directly Daredevil uh, and Karen um for you know Karen advantage and like you're saying to to see three deck but most importantly this deck plays two of my favorite cards do you want to take a guess what that is um drill bit no. Well, that's in the sideboard. No, this is a, it's a land. My favorite, my favorite land. Oh, okay. Um, uh, oh, what's the not Rakdos Gilgate, the other one? 
the bad one, yeah. Cinder Barons. Yeah, Cinder Barons. Two Cinder Barons. Boom. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll try to say it. It's, it's something that looks Who, What's the name of the player again? Uh, Jody Keith. Why do you think Jody yeah, Keith went with uh, Cinder Barons over Rakdos Gilgate? Oh, that's a very good question. I think, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe they, they just have an affinity towards bad cards like I do. Um, you know, I, I used to, you know, when, when, I think I think registered a deck like this for an RPG. Um, I call it the Cinder, Bar- Cinder Barons dot deck. Um, yeah, maybe Jody realized that Cinder Barons dot deck has a better uh, has a better ring to it than um, Rakdos Kilgate dot deck. This is following on from your obsession with Highland Lake. Basically, yeah, basically it's, it's the same cycle. <laughs> um, yeah, because I mean, it's basically, you know, Highland Lake is basically a volcanic island on turn one when you don't have one drop. Very true. Very true. Except it's uh, not typed, but <laughs> oh well. So. Standard has gone through like a couple of evolutions in the last week. So if you're playing on Arena, you see these things like day to day, like for like a deck is there for one day and then just the next day, you just you just never play against it again. You can play against it like yeah. five times in one in an hour and then never again. So like the other day in on Arena, I was playing against Simic uh, Wilderness Reclamation. So yeah. so people were kind of exploring a non Nexus of Fate uh, style deck like. Not not a fog, not a control deck, and uh, not a ramp deck. Well, kind of ramp. They were still playing growth spiral, but basically just like a blue green flash deck that exploited uh, wilderness reclamation in order to play frilled mystic and in order to play massive hydroid crassuses and then still have your mana on your own turn or on the opponent's. Yeah, that, that, yeah, but that, that seems like a very, a very good strategy, and I feel like that's I feel like that's where I like um, that that's what what I like to see wilderness reclamation decks do. You know, take advantage. But yeah, basically just yeah, like you're saying a flash deck. Uh, take advantage of all the extra money you're getting at the end of every turn. Um, but yeah, so you're, you're saying uh, you see, so you're saying you see a deck like that one day, and then you just wouldn't see it the next day. Yeah, well, that, that's what that's what happened with that deck. It, it was there for like a day or maybe two days, and then it was just gone, gone. I don't, I don't know what happened, yeah. but it just obviously was not viable. Um, and also Rakdos, that has kind of happened with Rakdos started to pop up. I still see it here and there because I think it is still a solid deck. Um, as we were saying, with like Rick's Maddie Reveler, things like that, you, you again get to see a lot of your deck. But it's so, so, so bad against any Nexus deck. Like you are very, very unlikely to against a Nexus deck. Yeah, yeah. It is true, pretty, yeah. pretty well positioned against Mono Blue. It's pretty decent against Drake's. Uh, it's decent yeah. against Mono Red. So I think there was a bit of a resurgence of Mono Red trying to beat Mono Blue and beating Mono White. Yeah. So I think the, the Black Red deck was preying on that a bit. And it was pretty effective at that, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I suppose, yeah. I, I think that, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's the kind of the, the cycle of the of the standard format uh, go forward. We'll probably just follow. Yeah, probably we'll, we'll you know, I, I can see, I can see that rotation um, of deck speed number one happen. Like you can, that could just happen again. You know, you can see research to Mono Red for that reason. Then um, Sultai will take over Mono Red. Then it's Mono Blue over Sultai. Then we'll go back around again. Um, but so, do you feel like so you're doing? So do you feel so something we kind of discussed over the weekend? Uh, it's almost like Arena is like well, I feel like Arena to some extent is, was detrimental to uh, my my um, preparing for this tournament. I feel like I would have had a much better handle on the format if I'd been playing Magic Online um, as much as playing Arena. But if I was playing Magic Online, um, I mean, if, if Arena wasn't a thing and the format was being determined online by Magic Online alone, um, I feel like just I feel like the format would have been just a lot clearer. Uh, I think it's possible now. I think I think because there's so many more people playing Arena and there's so much more variation of, of decks on Arena. Um, that you know, it's possible that the arena format could be entirely different to the Magic Online format. I I think that probably is the case. Um, arena definitely muddies the waters when it comes to like, oh, what's good at any one given moment. 
you have to be like deep yeah. into playing it for like a few hours every day to understand kind of the the loops and the and the evolutions that the format's going through whereas if you go back to magic online even if you play magic online quite a bit like unless you're a streamer you're probably relying on the weekly deck dumps for your snapshot of the meta you're like okay this is what's good this yeah. week. this is what people are playing this week this is what's successful so i'll react to that but yeah, yeah. you can literally react hour to hour because the games, it's so fast to get into the games, it's so easy to change your deck that you can just react at the drop of a hat. Yeah, yeah, I think as well. Kind of, I think it's 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 something that it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily need to be detrimental for preparation. I think it just means we have to just um, tweak our preparation or, or tweak the, the information we're getting. Uh, I mean, I think it's a shame that we're not getting much data out of um, um, Arena. I don't know, I, I don't know maybe, maybe uh, at the end of the month there might be a deck, but we, we don't know for sure. But it's possible there might be. Um, you might see the, the, the top eight lists of. Uh, top eight mythic players uh, at the end of the month. I mean, but again, like, does that even well, yeah, well, does that even tell us much? I mean, we might see that, but at the same time, like, like, how do we see that? Like, is it because they probably have more than one deck? Like, if you want to be grinding oh, exactly, yeah, yeah, at the moment in arena, you have to have more than one deck. You can't just have one deck. You have to be sensitive to yeah. how the meta is shif- shifting and be ready yeah. and willing to jump to another deck. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so it's it's so really 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 not seeing much at all about uh, what what's performing well in arena. Um, only yeah, only just with the occasional tweet. Yeah, to be honest, yeah. like I think Wizards probably wants it that way. I don't think they're ever going to do any like decklist postings like the way they do for Magic Online. They're never going to do that for yeah. arena. They don't want to do it. Yeah, yeah. So the your best shot is to follow the arena decklists Twitter Twitter account that was set up by by the game podcast by Jerry T. Yes, yes, fans of the show. Yeah, but, friends of the show. Friends of the show. So, what do you think people should be playing if they want to be getting ahead this week? Oh, um, I think I mean, it's very easy for me to say Rakdos with range because it's on the screen in front of me, and um, so I'll I'll go into different tab and I'll think about it. Um, I mean, I think you can say Rakdos mid range if you want. Yeah, I think I think I would. Um, I think yeah, I I feel like Sulzai going back to the uh, going back to the the package. Um, the the score package is is good. Um. Yeah, I do, I do like practice with range or your bigger red decks like that. Um, but then I don't know. I feel like I know. I know. Last week I was of the opinion that um, the Nexus deck hasn't been figured out yet. Um, I felt like the the list, the gates list that the, the particular gates list that uh, Team Axion were playing um, at the RPG was was very very good. Um, surely that has weaknesses. Um, I mean, if if there is, yeah, it's a format is still so die and Drakes. I think it no longer is. You probably have better. Uh, you probably have better feel of what Arena is right now, right? Yeah. Has Drakes disappeared. Yeah. I think Drake's has gone down a lot. I rarely ever see uh, Gates decks. I, I almost never see Gates decks anymore. Uh, I do see okay. Nexus occasionally, but it's typically like it's typically banned. Yeah. And I have seen them kind of going back to settle the wreckage now as well. Yeah, that's that's, that's right. That's something that um yeah I think a lot of people were just playing um Kai's Wrath. Well, so it was like an Esper control. Uh, Kai's Wrath is was really just replaced settle um which yeah I'm sure there's obviously strengths strengths and weaknesses to both cards. But um, yeah, I think it was, it was interesting how there definitely was a few weeks where no one was playing Settled Wreckage. And then you can see that people really just stopped, uh, even myself, you just, you just stop um, uh, respecting it. Uh, you just happily attacking to, you know, to white, white. Yeah, which is pretty cool, to be honest, because then when people innovate and bring it back, they get to reap those rewards. So I think that's actually a healthy thing to happen. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I do, I do like that. As for, like, how to get ahead, I'm not sure, to be honest, because, like, Last week I was thinking play like a rekindling phoenix shock deck and black red kind of is that. But if everybody's playing black red, I think you might want to play Sultai because Sultai can just grind with the best of them. 
So yeah, yep. So it might be for me. It might be the week to jump back into Sultai. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I suppose like look at, look at this this black red deck. I mean, there is like it, it does have some nice you know, grindy cards that gain gain advantage advantage like a uh, Dillus Reborn, uh, Direfleet Daredevil. Obviously, Darkfleet Daredevil. You know, it's almost entirely based on what the matchup is. Um, for Spidey Reveler. Yeah. Um, it, I guess like these, these are cards that like you probably can't get ahead. Karn maybe maybe play more Karns. Yeah, definitely. You can you can play a grindy game. It is surprising how grindy Black Red can be. Um, yeah. However, it just can't compete with Hydrocrassus. Like Hydrocrassus puts a huge huge flying threat into play, huge flying trample threat into play. Yeah. And draws you like six cards and brings you back from like a lower life total. So like I really don't think Black Red can compete with Hydrocrassus. And yeah, then I think top end things like um like Vraska. Uh, the big Vraska that's in a lot of deck lists now. Yeah, yeah. Deck lists. Um, so I, I do think Sultai would probably be the place to be. I, I wouldn't be yeah. strongly against Black Red. I think you can play smartly with uh, Rekindling Phoenix. Um, like, you know, the way that you play your Phoenixes, sandbagging them until the opponent's first contempt has been removed and stuff like that. So, like, yeah, yeah. You know, Sultai can't deal with Flyers that well. Like, it does have the Crassus, unfortunately, but. If there's no Crassus forthcoming, and if you've baited out of Rassus Contempt, then Rekindling Phoenix can certainly win you the game. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, Black Red or Sultai, I'd, I'd be happy on either of those two decks, because, I mean, both of those, they, you just feel safe when you have a deck like that. You know that your deck can basically handle anything. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's right. That's, 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 well, that's the position I like being in the most, just being like, yeah, I'm playing, yeah, dudes in, dudes in removal, got deck. Exactly. That'd be fine. So, shall we move on yeah. to our enter the arena? Uh, yes, let, let, let us enter the arena. Right, let us enter the arena. Okay, so for enter the arena this week, we wanted to talk a little bit about GPs, even though we were a little bit negative about GP London. Um, it is important uh, for people to understand what they need to do or things that they can do to help themselves prepare for their first GP. So, if you are an arena player, who is considering going to a Magic Fest, at which there will be a Grand Prix, then here are some tips to help you prepare for that. Um, the idea for this kind of bit of segment was born from like some Reddit posts Reddit post that I saw, uh, where people had posted that you know they just started playing Arena like a month ago, and they heard that there was a Magic Fest in like the next town over or what have you, and they decided to go along. So that is amazing, and I hope that lots of people decide to do that because Grand Prix, or now as they're known, Magic Fests, uh, are the pretty much the, the most fun thing you can do in Magic. It's just yeah. like them leaning into the kind of convention aspect of it, like Wizards leaning into the convention aspect of it, is definitely the right thing to do, in my opinion, because they already felt mm. that way to me. It already felt like being at a convention. Um, so I think... If you have the opportunity to go to a Magic Fest, to go to a GP, definitely take that opportunity. But there are some things that you can do, some things that you can bear in mind to make the experience more pleasant for yourself. So I suppose the first thing I would say, like furthest out, what you got to do is register for the tournament. Yeah, do, 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 that, early, do that early if you can. Um, the last few GPs actually have sold out. Um, so some so, some so, so sold out on some so I was even surprised had sold out. Um, so yeah, if you're if you're in a position to uh, to register early, uh, definitely do so. Yeah, so you can do that on the uh, Channel Fireball events page. 
So you just go to uh, CFB events and you can have a look at the full schedule. I'll link it in the in the show notes. You can look at the full Magic Fest schedule. You can just bring up the the websites for the ones that are for the ones that are available. Uh, they're not available like so so far out. Like you can't register for the ones at the end of the year now, but they're available pretty far out. And you can register, get your ticket, and you're just that just means that you're guaranteed that if you're planning to go to that, you will be able to play because, as you said, there are some that are selling out. Um, so yep. once you've registered, uh, as soon as possible, you need to tr- think about checking the schedule. Uh, so this usually happens like a few weeks before the event, maybe three, three or two weeks before the event, they post the official schedule. Um, it varies. I think it's been changing every once in a while. Like sometimes it's like a few months in advance they have the schedule. Sometimes it's only a couple of weeks. But anyway, just keep checking the website until the schedule goes up and you'll be able to see what kind of events you can do. There's a whole big list of events that you can go through on the on the Magic Fest pages. Um, there's all sorts of tickets you can buy. There's like fanatic packages. There's side events. It's quite overwhelming. So basically, the best thing to do is is go through it, identify what formats you want to play. Do you want to play sealed? Do you want to play standard? Do you want to play modern? Whatever it is, um, and have a look at the times for those events, and have a look at the prices, the potential prizes. So for example, double ups are usually a good event to go to because. You pay double the price to enter, but the prizes are, I believe, more than double. Yeah. So once you've checked the schedule and you know what events you want to play in, uh, it's pretty important to remember that you need a DCI number. I think you need to put that in when you register anyway. But uh, if you've been to play at your local game store, you should have a DCI number. But remember to bring it with you. So like write it down somewhere or um, have it in your phone because you need it when you sign up to events in the in the tournament hall. Um, before you go, also, you need to make sure that you have your deck, of course, whatever format you're playing. And also, it's a good idea to have your deck list. So either print it out yourself or uh, just you know write it down uh, so that it's easy to write on the deck list pages that they have there. I think for most side events, you don't need a deck list. But if you're going to play in the main event, then you need a clear easy to read deck list to submit to the judges uh if your deck list has wrong cards on it you will receive game loss so just be careful with that um what about that process of checking your deck and your deck list you should probably also re-sleeve your deck so it's always good to bring fresh sleeves to a grand prix or to a magic fest because it is possible again to receive a game loss for marked cards if you have sleeves that are really dirty and the judges feel like they can uh, reliably identify certain cards by having a look at your sleeves, then they will consider that as marked cards and you will get a game loss. Uh, yeah. Also worth bearing in mind that you should try to bring any accessories that you may need with you. So things like dice, uh, life pad and pen, uh, playmat if you're into that. Uh, and also if your deck uses tokens, it's a good idea to bring tokens because there's no guarantee that you'll be able to find those to- tokens at the event. Sometimes the vendors might have them, sometimes they don't. And it's just always good to be super clear about what you're representing on the board. So bringing tokens is a good idea. Um, and finally, right before the event, you want to make sure that you're bringing water and you're bringing snacks with you. So sometimes like the food that's offered at these events is usually quite expensive and not very good. It's, it's convention center food. So if you've had that before, you know what that is. So it's not great. Um... It's also worth knowing where the nearest kind of restaurants are to the convention center so you can go for like a proper lunch. But yeah, a bottle of water to keep yourself hydrated through the day because it's super tiring to play magic. You're going to be thinking a lot. Uh, You're going to need that water. 
and some snacks. Probably better to bring healthy snacks, like maybe some fruit, some nuts, things that will keep you going for a long time. Um, we have here... Oh yeah, pairings. So it's a good idea to connect to the Wi-Fi as soon as you can because usually they will offer online pairings. So there'll be a website for you to go to. And when the pairings are posted, they will be announced. There'll be an announcement over the loudspeaker and you'll be able to like refresh the page and find out where you're sitting and who your opponent is. This is much, much better than having to go up to the board, have a look at the paper pairings. You're squishing past people and then you have to turn around with your big backpack on your back and walk all the way back to your seat. It's really yeah. annoying. So if you can do your pairings over the internet, that's much, much better. Um, yeah, that, that, yeah. Just that, 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 that kind of uh, push and that squeeze to see the uh, posted pairings, the paper pairings. That's all I, That's literally my, that's probably by far my least everything about Magic is those you know few seconds or those few minutes of uh, squishing past people trying to get a look. Uh, yeah, they're turning around. Um, yeah, that's, everyone's, everyone's wearing backpacks. So it's, uh, it's always awkward. Yes. If you're in any way claustrophobic, it will make you feel very anxious. Yeah. And then the final piece of advice is once you're sitting down at your table, you know, be ready to be a courteous opponent. Be nice. You know, take the time to shake your opponent's hand. You know, ask them how their day has gone. It doesn't cost you anything. And it's a really nice thing to do. Makes people feel good. Makes them chat. You might make some new friends. And if something does go wrong or there's some kind of mistake, whether it's your mistake or your opponent's mistake, the first thing that you should always do is call a judge. Judges yeah. help. Yeah. They're not going to, you know, make you feel bad unless you did something really bad. Uh, but yeah, calling a judge is always the best thing to do whenever there's any kind of mistake in the game or something has gone wrong or you're not sure even if a rule has been broken or something has happened at the wrong time. The best thing to do, if you're unsure, is call a judge and then just repeat exactly what happened to the and they should be. Yeah, and I guess it's something like, like one, one example that I came across. Uh, I think, well, I ran a time when I was first playing Magic. I think um, I did something like I tried to cast a on a creature with hexproof. And then after when I did it, my opponent said, "Oh, it's um, oh, this creature has hexproof." So like my first instinct was, "Oh, and oh, in that case, um, I guess okay, this battle doesn't work. I lose this card. Um, no, I, I don't, I don't get my rules fell back." But so even though that's a situation where I felt like I was in the wrong, if you call a judge uh, for like slow fixes like that. Say the, the response, uh, the judge response to a situation like that is uh, you get you get a warning um, for a game rule violation, but like you get your rules fell back. So it's like situations like that are when it's even though you done something wrong, even though you did something wrong, it's still beneficial for you to call a judge. I and mean, you should always be calling a judge anyway if you do something wrong. Yeah, absolutely. In in that that's a that's a good really good example of it because like in that situation you just it's impossible to even begin casting the spell. So the judge is just like you know don't be silly. <laughs> you never could have cast yeah. that spell. It was never legal for you to do that. So it just goes back in your hand. Yeah. I think yeah, another situation was, uh, I think, against opponent, they uh, used um, Search for Santa's ability. Um, they started their turn, put the card into the graveyard. Then uh, they went straight to the main phase. They forgot to draw a card. They cast a spell in the main phase and realized they didn't draw a card. I, I was also able to confirm that he hadn't drawn a card. But my opponent's response was, oh, I missed my draw step. Oh, that's, I'm such an idiot. That's my fault. Uh, oh, I guess don't draw a card. But I was like, oh, we'll call it judge because um, I'm fairly sure you can't skip your draw step, and yeah, sure, sure enough, the judge game, um, yeah, kind of you know, fix the situation, and then uh, yeah, my opponent got to draw the card. So it's like if if anything goes wrong in the game at all, the judge will fix it. Um, in the best way. Yeah, I mean, the only exceptions to things that like this are when you realize the mistake after like a couple of turns have already gone by. Like if your opponent had like cast a draw spell there and then put a card on the bottom of their library and then done something else. 
then the judge would probably say, mm, it's a bit awkward to draw a card here because there's knowledge about the bottom of the library and etc, etc, etc. So maybe they can't do it. Or in the hexproof example, if the if it, if the game went on another three turns and then you're like, hey, you could you shouldn't have been able to cast that on my creature with hexproof, the judge would probably just be like, well, I mean, it's too far gone now to to put everything back the way it was, so we just have to continue. Um, those are the only situations where the judge basically won't won't fix the game state. But even then, you might as well call the judge because it's important for people to get these warnings if they if they make mistakes because then you know hopefully they won't do it again yeah so yeah if and if if that goes wrong call a judge if you're not sure call a judge um if you're yeah if in any any way in doubt just call a judge and uh, they'll know how to handle it yep that is what they're there for so that's the end of enter the arena and that is the end of the episode we have no emails this week but if you want to email us you can email us at skullcrackpodcast@gmail.com uh you can tweet us yep. at skullcrack so that's going to do it from us this week Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye-bye. As we mentioned, uh, this the week of Valentine's Day, um, and there was there was a an amusing trend on Twitter on Valentine's Day of uh, of Valentine's poems about magic. Oh my! Uh, uh, yeah, an Irish player and a listener listener of the podcast, uh, Darren Emi, posted uh, one on on the uh, Irish uh, the Irish Magic Facebook page, uh, which prompted other people to join in. Um, so I read out. So I think his is probably kind of a perfect example of what it should be. Uh, mine are are less so. Um, so he starts off with, uh, this card is red, this card is blue. I floated four mana, bolts that bolt you. Oh, that's a good one. Isn't that lovely? And yeah, exactly. So it's like, I feel like, we, I was like, I was thinking, maybe I'll, I'll just read that out. I don't think it's going to get much better than that. Um, but then uh, I went into my creative pit and uh, churned out a lot more. Uh, some, are, some are better than others. Uh, some are not good at all. But um, So I'll, I'll, I'll just... Read a bunch out. I think there's some, there's some I'll let you both uh, guess what the last line is. Okay. Because maybe be obvious. Um, anyway, the first one is uh, Roses are Tron, Violets are Tron. I love Tron, 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 Tron. <laughs> Great. Uh, so we should just stop it there. That's the best one. <laughs> oh, God, we're, we're, this, is, this is only beginning. Uh, also relevant to something we talked about today. This card is blue. It gets shuffled back in. I'll take an extra turn with this proxied basic mountain. <laughs> I think you needed to go for a different uh, a different cadence on the word mountain there. You need to say like mountain. Yeah, I think a lot of times I I, I think of a lot of these have too many syllables in the last line. Um, okay, we'll forgive you. Uh, blue, black, and yeah, blue, black, and red. I make my opponents cower. I can't deal with enchantments, but there is always a greater power. That's much better. That's much better. <laughs> okay, um, uh, dragon storm is red. I'm better than better than all here. They call me the innovator. Give all legal targets fear. That's a good one. Uh, did you did you tweet? Uh, this one's better. Actually, I didn't actually. No, maybe. Ah, oh, well, no, that's too late now. I, I tweeted a few of them out, but not this one. Um, uh, right here, right here. This, this one's about us. We often go on tangents. The script us is folly. Hot takes, rave and rants. How come we never mention Channel Five all the time? You discuss the game Monopoly. <laughs> what?
It's the moment at that time we were talking about Monopoly, the game. Um, we were joking about Monopoly. Yeah. Um, we could have made a joke. So there, there's a chance to make a joke about Channel Fireball in there, but uh, we didn't do uh-huh. it. Ah, okay, okay, yeah. Missed opportunity. Missed opportunity, I think. Okay. Um, we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll come back to that someday. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, I, I actually have loads of these. I, I wonder about read them all out. Um, okay. Last chance to char, because my life totals six. Target your face and... What's the next line? Uh, I have no idea. Okay, I'll just read it. Last chance to share because my life total six. Target your face. And oh my God, it's Lightning Helix. Oh, okay. That's a good one. Uh, yeah. A, a brief OK Cupid affair is met with one wrinkle. For Alyssa was unaware that he was John motherfucking Finkel. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's a, that's a, a reference to uh, an article that was written about a woman who, who went on OK Cupid. Yeah, it was, it was on Gawker. It was a very strange article. Um, you don't need to go into now, but I, I reread it when I was writing this to get her name, and uh, I still really get what the point of it was when she wrote it. She basically, yeah, she didn't know he's a magic player, um, and she was shocked by this. Uh, but decided to write an article about it. All right, give, give all right, us this a is, uh, to end extra turn. I, 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 I have three more. All right, I, 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 if if that's okay, this is a good one. Yeah. Remember that time when uh, Eminem said he could rhyme with orange? He rhymed some words with orange, and everyone was like, "Oh my god, he's he's a genius!" And he's like, "Yeah, that's why I'm a rap god because I can rhyme with orange." That's basically how I felt writing this next one, okay? Okay. She's a medieval lady, hair tied up in a coif. Safi Eric Satter cries, Akans run, it's a Nurgoif. Oh, that's pretty good. That is pretty good. Okay, um, the died. Wolf played for Ireland, spent day one kicking Orse, but then against Team Argentina, discarded two to... No, we don't have to finish that one. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we're... It's... Did... We're waiting for, for more time to elapse to uh, joke about that. Did you post that one? No, I didn't. No, I didn't post any. I only, I only posted a few of these. Uh, oh, okay. All right, so that. All right, so maybe I should. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll actually. I'll, I'll post this. I'll post the episode to that. Um, that thread. So people can listen to this. Um, yeah. This, all right. There's this last one. This one is a. Uh, that this, that was here's one that's self-deprecating for uh, myself and Kieran to to balance it out. Um, Kieran lost his passport. Al lost his passport. Al still can't find his passport. European competitive paper magic is dying. Oh, that one was just depressing to end on. Yeah, I don't know when the next GP is. Uh, we're not going to GP London, but um, yeah. Um, oh well. Did you? Yeah, I guess we'll end on that. Did you not need your passport for going to the RPTQ? No. Well, I, I I got a new one. A new one arrived. Um, I still haven't found my old one. Ah, oh, okay. But uh, the old one's cancelled. So yeah, yeah. So um, I'm back. I'm I, I got my wings back. <laughs> you can't take the sky from me. All right. Firefly. And on that note, goodbye. Bye bye.